Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hey, Jackie Cation here. Welcome to the dark forest. It's November or December of 2022. Uh, you're about to listen to The Dork Forest. My name is Jackie Cation. The website's, of course, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, if you enjoy a determiner. Anyway, uh, November and December, I ask that you do not donate to The Dork Forest, that instead you donate to your local food bank, because uh, it's a nice holiday kind of wintery thing to do. And uh, if you don't know where your local food bank is, you can go to feedingamerica.org, or you can Google the words that are your town's name and the word food bank. Hey, sarcasm. Uh, JackieCation.com is where everything is linked. Like if you go to dorkforest.com, you can see all the notes and it'll link you to the YouTube videos for the Dork Forest and the and Apple podcasts and it's on Stitcher. It's on all the things. Anyway, so JackieCation.com will link you to everything. Dork Forest will link you back to JackieCation.com and to everything else. There is merch. If you have some sort of holiday wish to purchase a Dork Forest t-shirt, uh, the logo is now on a, a black shirt with the the logo in that bright green that the Ranger t-shirt used to be. Sold out of the Ranger shirts, discontinued. Uh, also, I have some stand-up shirts that are squish t-shirts. If you wanted uh, a meat shield t-shirt, I have limited sizes left, but that's still a benefit for uh, to help uh, immigrants and uh, anti-racism stuff. So if you want, go look around JackieCation.com store for your your store needs. I also have a new album out that's playing almost nowhere. That's right, because of legal issues uh, with something called Spoken Giants. Very disappointing. Uh, so the special itself is on YouTube on the 800 Pound Gorilla YouTube channel, uh, linkable off of JackieCation.com. You can also get a DVD or a CD at JackieCation.com. The, the CD itself is listenable at places where you can buy it. So at Apple iPod, iTunes and at Amazon Music that you could also stream it there. If you buy it, I make more money. Uh, but if you want to stream it, do whatever you want. But it's not on Pandora. It's not on Spotify. It's not on Sirius XM. <sighs> and neither are my four other albums. But uh, do whatever you want uh, because uh, it's your life. There we go. What else is happening? I'm touring. I'm doing a lot of stand up on the road. Feel free to come. Feel free. Um, to sign up for the email list at JackieCation.com. Harder to get on because you got to find how you how you put it in to then to get off, which is you scroll and hit unsubscribe. But uh, all of these things are available on JackieCation.com. I'm coming to do stand-up probably near you. If not near you, near someone you love. Tell them. Anyway, let's dork out about something. Let's get into the show. JackieCation, not in my garage. This is my bedroom. This is where the magic happens. If magic happens at all, it would be here in my bedroom. Uh, you're uh, listening to The Dork Forest, of course. And uh, I have Kurt Brownoller, who I don't know the last time you were on. Uh, it's got to be 10 years. It's got to be. It, it was probably 10 years ago. It was yeah. at your house. Yep. It was at the house. And um, and then I think we did my podcast and we did your podcast at the time, which was yes. blindfold a person and bring them somewhere weird. 
<laughs> what was it called? <laughs> it was called Get Lost. It was oh part of the K, the K hole. Yeah. It was so compelling. It was compelling because you brought me somewhere and it did not take longer than 20 minutes. It felt yeah. like we were in the Central Valley. It looked like it felt <laughs> like we had driven two and a half hours towards Modesto. Uh, it was a strange, strange place. It was like a place where it was like in the back of a high school, I believe. No, no, and there it was, was a college. It was, oh, like it was a, a college. Yeah. And it was like these um, monuments that were built by some lunatic in like the 1890s or something. <laughs> it was the 1940s. And he wanted to. And he wanted. You did too many episodes. I've only done the one. Yeah. So it's like when somebody <laughs> tells me about their dork forest, uh, they uh, it's always. <laughs> It's always uh, they know more about it, but I remember it because it was spooky as all fuck. Yes. Uh, it was it was different posed statues of cowboys and ladies, and because the guy tried to hire somebody to make a Wild West thing outside his motel in Los Angeles right. in the after World War II, they worked one day, and he was like, "I could do this." And then he made these things, which couldn't have been spookier. Uh, they were horrifying. Like everyone looked like they were melting. There was just the proportions were off. Their expressions were disturbing. They were they were lurking. It was never it didn't. It felt genuinely dangerous. Uh, like if someone had a magic powder dust to make those alive, they were all murderers. Uh, it was grim. So but Kurt Brunauer is going to be uh, talking about your your current dorkdom, which is... Uh, oh, wait, let's tell everybody, though, that you have a new special that's out now on yes. perfectlystupid.com because it's called mm -hmm. Perfectly Stupid, and it's the stand-up comedy with the... Yeah. Um, you're on and you can watch it kind of like everywhere. It's, it's available on Amazon and Google Play, and starting December 16th, it'll be on YouTube. There we go. And you may know Kurt from uh, Bob's Burgers and, and other uh, work on the television with the moving pictures, but mm -hmm. uh, but now we're going to talk, talk about surfing. And it's at oh, Kurt yeah. Brownoller, which is B-R-A-U-N-H-O-L-E-R. No, no, O-H-L-E-R. <laughs> O-H-L-E-R. <laughs> B-R-A-U-N-O-H-L-E-R. You can just Google Kurt B. Comedy. <laughs> Best of luck out there. I believe in all of you. <laughs> Rangers, you got this. It'll I think be I also notes. own Kurt B. Comedy. Oh, good. Dot com. Let's see. Do I own Kurt B.? Comedy. Are you asking series or, or are you just I'm rhetorical? just I'm just putting it in. I love it. Yes, I do own KurtBComedy.com. So Look just go there. Go there. And you can watch my special right there. Oh, right. oh that uh it's all happening, you guys. It's you, all happening. You can go to familypetancestry.com <laughs> and that is jackiecation.com <laughs> because it's funny. Now, but KurtBComedy.com is Kurt's uh thing. Surfing, I need to know. I just need to know more, is what I'm saying. Um, I had my first question always with all athletic events that take place mm -hmm. away from your home. Yes. Where do you park? It just depends on the break. It depends on the break, Jackie. <laughs> What's a break? Uh, is that where the wave is? Is that where the wave is, is where the wave yes, is that being is kept? The beach. Oh. That is the beach that where a where a a wave, a good wave, a good surfable wave occurs. Oh, cool. Um, and so really it depends. It's like, uh, the, one of the places I surf is called County line. It's like, you know, tech it's supposedly in between Ventura and Los Angeles County, but it's really just in Ventura County. Oh. And that is, you just park along the side of the PCH and the beach is right there. Okay. But then there's other breaks where you park and then walk for a very long time to get to them. Like so Trestles, 
down south, you'll walk for, it's probably 15, 20 minute walk through like a, a little protected area, which is very gorgeous. And then you get to this like world-class series of breaks right there. Uh, and always, uh, because I am not an athlete, I like to say, is there a golf cart you could buy? Is there some sort of, <laughs> you're the... holding a, a, a surfboard, correct? Yes. Um, in Orange County, it has become a rash, a almost a problematic rash of people with e-bikes. So they have e-bikes with surfboard racks on them. Okay. And then they just zoom along that little road uh-huh. uh, to the beach and then lock their bike up and go surfing, which is honestly, if I lived anywhere near trestles, I would do. You would probably time. do it as well. Cause <laughs> of uh, course I would. Right. Because if it's, if it's a quarter of a mile or, yeah. you know, you're hauling, you're already sweaty. I think it's straight up like a mile. Oh, full on. Full on yeah. one mile. That's yeah, a long way. So. And how heavy is it that different surfboards are different weights, right? Yes, 100%. If you got a shortboard, you know, probably like, you know, a little potato chip shortboard, it can be <laughs> super, super light. Right. Um, but I have I have some pretty heavy. I have some pretty heavy boards. What kind um, of what kind of board is it that you mostly use? That I mostly use? It goes back and forth. I have you, all my boards are right here. Oh, uh, there's many, 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 Please many, Please tune into the YouTube so that you can see um, a row of boards. And they, I, I honestly started surfing this high performance longboard that I was given by a friend. A friend just texted me and he's like, Hey, my brother bought a surfboard and broke his leg. He can't use it. It's at my mom's office and she needs to move her office. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah. And I went yeah. and got it. And it's a fucking Beautiful, very user-friendly, easy longboard to surf. But I have everything from a nine six like nose rider all the way down to uh, like a six four shortboard. But all of my boards are slightly lar- longer than average because I'm a taller, bigger than average person. It's true, you are a very tall person. So the longboard that you're you said that it's kind of easy to use. There are is there a good starter board? Let's say hypothetically Jackie Cation wanted to get into surfing. Yes. Okay. So there is an argument about this in the surf world about which board is the easiest to like learn on because it used to be something called a fun board, which was like in between a short board and a long board. But the argument for a fun board is that it has all the disadvantages of a short board and all the disadvantages (laughs) of a long board with none of the advantages of either. Um, (laughs) And so I always think like a nine foot, uh, a nine foot longboard is probably the easiest to learn to surf on. But if you go to like Hawaii or something like that, they're gonna and you go to Waikiki Beach and they you know take a surf class, they're gonna put you on like a ten foot, ultra wide, super stable board so that they can push you in and you can like take your time to like wobble oh, okay. up and stand. Oh, right, because you want it to be kind of wide so that you aren't constantly yeah. falling off. Um, yeah. yeah, and for especially if you're like, just you want to stand up and see what surfing is like, then that's yeah. it. Those boards are not very maneuverable. They're gigantic. They're just made for going straight. Okay. Um, right. Uh, but you then stand once up you, on it if you're lucky and, and go in. And, and then and, you just go towards the beach and then it stops. And you are done. <laughs> right, <laughs> because otherwise you can... You move your body and you can ride. I've seen I've seen video is what I'm saying. You've seen videos. Yeah. So you actually when you surf, you actually go parallel to the beach for most breaks. OK, so you're riding. You're riding sideways along the wave as it breaks. So there's a face to the wave and it's breaking behind you and you're riding the part that still hasn't broken in front of you. OK. All right. Yeah. So, well, that I mean, that 
it does look amazing. So, and how <laughs> how long have you been doing it? I started surfing. My mom bought me my first surfboard when I was, I believe, 12, 12 or 13. And it was, um, you know, raised by a single mom. And we always went to the beach together. Right. And it's uh, free. I was always, because it's free. <laughs> and uh, I was always boogie boarding. Right. And uh, so she bought me a, a single fin 70s short board that I wish, I have no idea what happened to it. Okay. I wish I still had that board because it was, it, it's like, it's a, it's a board that like people would love to have right now because there's this big kind of um, resurgence of retro shapes that, uh, that people okay. are interested in, mm-hmm. but it was like a wide point forward single fin short board. And that's what I learned on. And it was just wonderful. And when I got it, it someone had, I don't know if they were using it as a table or if they just didn't know, but they had put candle wax all over the top of it okay and because you you wax the front of your surf the you know the the place where you stand so that it's grippy you put wax on it okay um and so someone just i think didn't understand that and was using candle wax it was very confusing right so i had to like sit for hours and scrape all of this candle wax off of this board um, and then that was my first board and, uh, yeah, that's how I learned, literally learned by just going out and for, it took me probably two years to learn. Oh, I bet. Just in New it, Jersey, in New Jersey. In New, in New Jersey. Oh, and you're in New Jersey yes. in, in, on the ocean, on the Atlantic ocean, on the Atlantic ocean. Okay. All right. Well, Look at this has a whole coast goes that, <laughs> down the whole length of right. New Jersey. They got waves. The moon affects the Atlantic Ocean as well, Jackie. And uh, so, but, um, okay, so you just for two, yeah. Well, let's talk about that, what you just said, because this is something that I do want to talk about, because people always talk about, like, they think that the moon makes waves. Yeah. Um, And they don't. The moon has nothing to do with waves. The moon controls tides. Okay. And so tides you can imagine as almost like like a tilting of, a gentle tilting of like a bathtub. So more water kind of gathers on one side and then more water kind of gathers on another side. And that has nothing to do with waves. That's literally just how much water volume is in one area at a time, right? right? Because the moon is the gravitational pulls pulling at certain parts of the earth. And then as the moon comes around, it pulls at other parts. So the water goes back and forth. Waves are generated by wind over large stretches of water called fetch. And so the, what you're actually riding was uh, for the most part, especially in the Pacific ocean, formed by a storm thousands and thousands of miles away. So it's it's just a lot of energy in the wind that's blowing over large stretches of water, and eventually that energy gets transferred to the water. Okay. And it makes just like this beautiful sine wave in the water, and then a deep open water wave or swell uh, travels, and uh, as, it, as it kind of like progresses and it lengthens, yeah. it deepens in the water so that only just the teeny, teeny, tippy, tippy part of the top of the sine wave is above the water. Because being above the water is a very inefficient way for, for energy to travel through water. Right. So most of it is like 100 feet under the water the majority of the energy. And so it's like this big, long, stretched out, very deep sine wave of energy. And it's essentially that the the ocean is like a battery then, really. It's storing this energy. And this energy is traveling, you know, in all the directions that the wind had been blowing over that that length of of water, which is called fetch again. And so then as the wind energy in the ocean 
starts to feel, quote unquote, feel the bottom, meaning that the length of the sine wave, become, the, 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 the depth of the water becomes less than the actual length of the sine wave. Okay. It starts pushing it up yeah. out of the water. So it starts to steepen. And then friction starts to happen on the bottom of the sine wave. Okay. So then the bottom of the wave starts going slower than the top of the wave. And when you hit a certain critical point, that means that the wave crests and breaks because it can no longer maintain that sine wave because of the of the pull, the friction on the bottom of the sine wave. Oh, and that's and okay. Go that's ahead. That's when the wave breaks. And okay, and that's when the wave breaks. And yes. it's it's because it gets more shallow, and it's and the land sort of comes up and interferes with the wave. Yeah. So okay. it pulls. It kind of pulls on the bottom part of that of that sine wave. You know, and and they've they've shown that. That energy travels through water the same way light travels. The 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 wave is very similar. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. What I was thinking of is when I used to do North Dakota a lot, uh, you would drive through the highways of North Dakota, and there's nothing. There's nothing there. There's no mountains. There's no trees. Yeah. There's corn, uh, and there's <laughs> some buildings. And uh, but if in the winter it gets so windy, uh huh, that it yes. will, and it doesn't feel. It feels like it came. From like Wyoming or Col- yeah. you know Colorado, and it just comes, and it it feels like it could literally just cut you in half if it just because of that force. And so when it hits trees or when it hits, you know that then of course that it breaks the sign. I guess so. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's and that's that's exactly what's happening. But on, uh, in but the Pacific Ocean, under- but but. You know, imagine that 10,000 times because there's literally no thing in all directions in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Right. And it can go down as very far before it hits any kind of land or mm-hmm. or structures at all, whether it's coral or, or fishes or whatever. Yeah. Do they does that now? This is a this is a separate question. But does that create those 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 streamline things like that fish migrate on? Does it create oh, uh, what are those columns? The, of, um, like the jet, the jet streams. Yeah, like a jet stream. Yeah, Does that I have how no wind? idea. N- no, the currents in the ocean. I do currents. not know. I think the currents in the ocean are created by the uh, Earth's rotation, and I could be wrong about that. Okay. Um, well, I don't. I know, they don't have anything were, to do. I with, thought. It, I thought waves were created by the moon. So most people do. But people always say that, and they're just like, "Oh, well, you know, it's high tide. That means the waves are good, or whatever." And it's like, no, actually, usually high tide is a very bad time for waves at most breaks. Okay. Because you've got more water. Yep. That's close to land, meaning that the waves are feeling the bottom later. And therefore, they're just crashing right directly onto the beach, as opposed to when it's lower tide or mid tide. There's less water volume, so you start feeling it farther out and has a chance for that to be like a good rideable wave. So how do you know when to go surfing because of that uh, you, wind? So there's very, you know, I mean, there's I mean, models. There's people telling you. Like, 100%. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, you usually, you know, subscribe to a surf forecast or you can look at buoys. So they have buoys in the ocean. Um, they have buoys all over the place and the buoys measure... Uh, wind and swell direction. And if you kind of like, because when I used to live in New York City and it would be a hour and a half long train ride to go surf in Rockaway, um, I became very adept at predicting what the swell would be doing based on buoy readings. Because for West Coast, 
the people at Surfline and Magic Seaweed, these are all like, you know, surf forecast places. They have all of the people live here and they focus all of their energy on making better and better models for the West Coast. And on the East Coast, nobody gives a shit. Uh, right. and so, uh, and so you it, have to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so I would, uh, we would make predictions based on buoy readings farther out. So as you, the buoy hits like a place that's 200 miles out, you know, that based on what the, what's called the wave period, the period is how f- the, the time in between the peaks of the, of the sine wave of the okay. energy. So the longer the period, the faster that wave is moving. And are you looking for a tall wave when you surf or a fast wave or, I mean, ideally both or whatever? So fast swells turn into tall waves. Okay. So if you have like a period of like 14 seconds, that's going to be a pretty fast wave. It could, it could maybe be a foot tall, uh, but at 14 seconds, that will stand up to probably like three or four feet, depending on the break. Okay. Uh and and also there will be long what's called a lull. So there's be a long period of time in between sets. So when a set comes, you have like a couple waves that are just getting small. They start small and then bigger, bigger, bigger. You have your set wave, maybe one or two yep. that are the biggest wave of that set, and then they get smaller and smaller again because they travel in packs. It's all about the efficiency of of movement of energy, and so the the, the, the swells tend to gather together in these kind of these swell packs and then they move through the energy with more efficiency that way. In the same way that like um, when bicyclists, they ride in that like Peloton and they get right behind each other to cut down on the Tokyo on the drift wind movement yeah, and, and, and Tokyo drift drafting yeah, exactly. or whatever. Yeah. OK. Yeah. 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 So the waves are actually like drafting with each other and that's why they come in like sets. OK. And yeah. and and can you. And you obviously aspire to ride the, the, the one that rises the highest. The, the- it really depends. It really depends on what your your goal is as a surfer, you know? Okay. Yeah. I think go- surfing is much more um, uh, on the artistic side of a physical activity. Okay. Well, because I was going to say, is, it, is there different kinds of surfing like there's different kinds of skateboarding? Like some people yes. go into the go into the half pipe. Other people like to grind it out on the, on the, on the, on the freestyle bars and yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, is that also done in surfing? Yes, there is, uh, people who, you know, the, the, the primary, um, you know, version of surfing that's out there and that the kids love is a short board, very, uh, you know, a short, short board, and doing, you know, like the 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 holy grail is to do an air, you know, to like oh, to literally go fly air, fly into the air. Uh, I have never really been interested in that <laughs> style of surfing. I'm much more interested in kind of a uh, what used to be called soul surfing. <laughs> uh, there, I see to, that. Tend, I see that. Yeah, man. tend to um, uh, prefer longer boards. Uh, you're looking for trim and speed and gracefulness, kind of big, slow, long turns. But working with the hardware of the board becomes part of the joy of it, as opposed to just making this short board do everything your body wants it to do. Okay. So, yeah. So the the short board tends to be more tricks and stuff like that, too, right? Yes. And also, um, and we're going to get into fin placement. I mean, Let's this is why it. it's a dorkdom. That's it. 
<laughs> the the short board um, is always a thruster, a thruster fin setup, which means it's three fins, two on the side and then one behind it. Okay. And the thruster setup was invented in the 80s. Um, before then, you just had single fins, and then people started using twin fins. But then the thruster was the, it could kind of, you could do the most radical maneuvers and it would hold in much larger waves and give you a lot of control. What you lose with it is that it's three fins and three fins is a lot of fins. It's a lot of drag in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only way a thruster generates speed is by turning. So it'll use the center fin and then the outside fin or the inside fin as you turn to kind of like rocket water in between those two fins. Mm-hmm. And that's how you generate your speed. And so you're constantly doing big, big turns and hitting the lip and br- just over and over again. So if you see like modern surf competition, it's just people hitting the lip, coming down, hitting the lip, coming down, hitting the lip, coming down. Yeah. And very rarely big back turns or anything like that. Whereas with a single fin, which is what I primarily surf, uh, a single fin is much faster in the water because there's just simply less drag that goes onto it. Okay. Um, because it's just one fin as opposed to three. Yeah. And you don't ha- and it has speed out of the gate, so that right when you hop up, it takes off. As opposed to on a thruster, you have to hop up and generate your speed by turning. Oh, sort of like a swing set. When you're on the swing, you have to sort of build up. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. But but with water and stationary, different. But yes, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um. Wow. And then what about a, what about a twin fin? You're yeah, asking. Well. I am asking that as I, I looked at. A, I have a, I have a small list of questions. Anyway, but uh-huh. yeah, what is what is the the twin fin? Like if there's only two. <laughs> so a twin fin is uh, it essentially operates like a little rocket. Uh, so the water comes in and kind of gets almost pressurized in between these two fins and shoots out the back. And so it's a very, very fast setup, um, but it can feel what people call squirrely, uh, meaning it's it's kind of uh, it's very loosey goosey when you're surfing. It. A little and so tippy, people don't pr- little tippy, yeah, a little like um, almost like a real a, sh- a short sh- a skateboard feels. Oh, OK. Um, like uh, in in big tall surf, it tends to you tend to pop out of the wave if it gets too steep, and that is the reason they were having a problem with twinnies. Um, but now people ride twins uh, like an old school fish style twins, which actually has keels instead of fins, and keels are just much larger versions of the fins, and they usually okay. last on. Um, and that's a really fun board to ride, but usually in smaller surf. Okay. Because it generates speed quickly. Okay, so you and your one fin long mm-hmm. board, yes. you uh, you you get to go fast, and you get to make sort of larger, uh, wider turns. Yes, long. Yeah, it takes. They're they're usually slower turns, um, and wider turns, but you know more graceful. Also, you can walk the nose on a long board, so you would actually you actually physically walk on the board up to the top. The goal being obviously. To hang five or hang ten. Five means five five toes off the front of the board. Okay. Hang ten is all ten toes off the front of the board. I never knew that that was what that meant, the hanging yes. of toes. It's yes. it's not, it's, uh, it's okay. Good for good for the toe talk. <laughs> Welcome to toe talk. <laughs> Welcome to toe talk. Um, and I, but there's also what I surf, what, what was my go-to board, which comes all the way back to your first question. 
my go-to board for a very long time was what was called a displacement hall, um, which is a was invented when they were kind of transitioning from long boards into short boards. And so they were looking for a way to cut length, um, but kind of maintain speed and maneuverability. And so uh, the the displacement hull actually has almost like a belly on the bottom of it, which most surfboards are flat or they have a V in them or they have a concave to them. Okay. Uh, this has like a belly, almost like the like a boat? hull. Yeah. Like a boat, like a, like a displacement hull um, sailboat. And so you actually cut through the water. The board sits a little lower in the water and you're actually cutting through the water, kind of shooting it out on either sides, literally displacing the water. And what it's good for is good for going from rail to rail, uh, meaning taking it from kind of like leaning backwards uh, against the wave to then leaning forward against the wave with the rail. But the rail is buried in the water for the most part. The rails are the sides of the surfboard. Okay. Wow. This is and that's a weird it's a weird shape. It's a weird it's a very specific and crazy feeling to ride a, a hull, but they are very fast. Okay. And so you're a child, you live in New York for many yes. many years. You're taking yeah. you're you're taking a subway with your with your surfboard. Um are you well, taking I had a, a bungalow? Okay. I had a bungalow, so I. Oh, you could store things at the at the beach. Yeah, yeah. So I figured out. I don't like you know. I surfed my whole childhood, and then when I was eighteen, went to college. Went to college in Baltimore. Just didn't surf. Didn't surf for four years, and then moved to New York City after that, and just did not surf. And it was not part of my life in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know if I even thought about it really. But I was always like loved surfing, and then I think when I was like twenty. Four or so, I realized, oh, there's surf. Like Rockaway has surf, and there's a surfing beach. And so we went down, like checked out. I was like, oh, I could totally surf here. So I got a bungalow. I think in two thousand two. In two thousand two, I got a bungalow, and for just for the summer with a bunch of friends and everybody. Of course, people are like, yeah, this is a quarter block from the beach, and it was like ninety. I think eighty bucks per month for each of us. So they okay. had 10 people in there and it was like $800 a month for right. this bungalow. And then, um, and then I made some friends on a surf message board called sure. nynjsurf.com. Right. And, uh, and we were in very big nerds who were just like wanting to surf all the time, but stuck at work. So we would just talk about surfing on this message board. Sure. And I remember thinking it was a summertime rental. And so September was coming up. We were supposed to give up the rental and my buddy Will was just like, you know, I bet we could find eight other surfers to fill this and just keep it year round. Yeah. And I was like, where are we going to find eight other surfers? And I just didn't believe we could do it. Right. And then, uh, and then of course, we did find it very the, easily. The message board and yes. it helped and out. I think actually the first two months we we, we kind of, Will had to pay extra to like keep us afloat. Right. Um, and then, but then it was full and then it was, they, we just gave it up. Um, we, I mean, I left New York in 2012, so I was in there for 10 years. Yeah. And it is 2022. So we had it for 20, that group of surfers had it for 20 years oh, and wow. they just, 
the guy who owns it, his daughter was moving back home. So he kicked all the surfers out and was renovating it for her. But okay. for 20, the thing that the, the bungalow I started originally was there for 20 years with 10 surfers at all times. Right. It. And for 10 years, you just kept your, your essentially equipment in that bungalow. All my boards, all my surf. Yeah. All yeah. my wetsuits. And, you know, we would surf in the winter in New York city. So, wow. you know, big five mil hooded wetsuits with like seven mil, you know, lobster claw gloves and booties. Right. Cause it's freezing. And I mean, it's, it's, very, cold, it's, it's usually the water the would summer, be right. And no, and this, in the summer it warms up much more than the West coast. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so the West coast, the water on in, in Southern California, the water stays cold because of the fact of that, that Gulf stream. I'm not saying Gulf stream, I think is air. Um, but the currents, the ocean currents pull water down from Alaska constantly. Okay. And so it has this big circle. So they come slowly down. They're very, very cold. They start to warm up around Mexico and then they turn around and then they shoot back up in the middle of the ocean back and they to never Alaska and get, get cold warm. again. And they, so they never get as warm as the, as the, as East Coast. And, it, and the Atlantic Ocean literally just bakes and bakes and bakes as it gets hot and the water kind of all stays there. Um, but you still have upwelling, which happens, which is if you'll notice if anybody's ever gone to the beach and one day the water's like nice and then the next day it's fucking freezing. Uh, yeah. What happens is, yeah, wind blows over that top layer of water and mm -hmm. pushes it away. And what replaces it is upwelling cold water from from deep below ah. pulled up to the surface. Okay. And then all of a sudden the water is fucking freezing. And how so that would always happen. Yeah. And so how often were you? I mean, how often do you surf? Now, traditionally, the last 20 years, like, is it once a week? Is it five times a week? Yeah. When I was when I was in 2002, I was probably surfing as much as I possibly could. So hopefully I would be surfing once a week. OK. Um, but also on the East Coast, it really just depends on conditions. So you're always like waiting. And the best, honestly, the best conditions were always in the wintertime like fall and spring were really good, but then the winter time, I don't know, always the best. I have, I had like maybe three or four years in a row where the best swell was on Valentine's day. And two <laughs> of those three years were, um, snowstorms. And so we we're all surfing in the snow with these like amazing waves. Do you have photos uh, of that? Did anybody I have a video? I have a video of me surfing in the a snow. double overhead wave in the snow in 2004. That is a delight. That yeah, is it's the a, biggest wave I've ever ridden. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So that means double overhead means yeah. like a 12-foot wave. So it's like when you see me on the face of the wave, there's like an, another additional me of wave above me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that sounds terrifying. But, uh, <laughs> but, sup but super fun. If you, I mean, once you get your balance and get your sense of where your feet are, where your body is on that board, and where that board is uh, in the water, that's how yeah. it kind of... That that's how you can know how to like at a much lower level, you guys. Uh, yeah. I like to play hacky sack. Yeah, and uh, you when you play hacky sack, you kick behind you, mm -hmm. and it's mostly just hope, right? Yes, for, right, the, right, for a right. long time, it's just I hope I connect, and uh, but you you can hear it, and if you play often enough, you're like I kind of know where that's going to be, and you kick it, and then all of a sudden it's back in front of you. And, and so, but it's all about, and, and with hacky sack, you always have to touch the ground in between every kick if possible, because it re-centers your, uh, your gravity. 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So even if it's just, you know, you bring your foot up and kick with the with the side of your foot. Yeah. If you go back down, touch and kick it again, touch, kick it again, touch, kick it again. Oh, and interesting. It can make it can bring your numbers up, is what I'm saying. If you're a counter. Bring your numbers up. Right. If the you're old hacky sack. If you're if you're counting, counting if you're if you're doing <laughs> khaki sack counting. Yes. And uh, so But it's all that lizard brain stuff, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. And, yeah. and and instinct, it's all instinct and it's amazing. So what about here on the on the West Coast? Do you get to surf once a week? So I, um, no, I do not get to surf once a week. And I think I'm struggling right now. And that's why I was kind of wanted to talk about it. It's just, um, you know, I have two kids now and they're, uh, my youngest is three. Okay. And so we're out of like the, you know, infant child stage. Yep. Um, but, but you can't still... take a three-year-old to the beach and go, I'll be right back. No, not at <laughs> all. Um, and so I'm just, I, I, it, part of me wants to say I'm very busy as a parent and as a comic, and I haven't had enough time. By the way, look, um, before you finish that sentence, let me tell people that they can see Perfectly Stupid, which is uh, Kurt Brown, uh, Brownoller's uh, new special on Amazon and and. Uh, YouTube and uh, well, all, Amazon, all the streaming right now. And on yeah. December 16th, it'll be on YouTube. But if you go to perfectlystupid.com or kurtbcomedy.com. Uh, then you can find out the links to everywhere. It right, is. right, right. And so. I'm going to your home club, actually, on Thursday, too. Little Acme. I'm going to Acme. Acme yeah. Comedy Company. It, it will be over. But uh, I bet you if you go to kurtbrunoller.com, uh, you can see all of your tour dates. Ongoing. If I put them up, if I get to updating, right? If they are updated, otherwise, just find them on Instagram. He'll probably yeah. Instagram, everything, everything's listed on Instagram. That's a better, always better, right? Right, right. So, um, but I did interrupt. So you, you, you think to yourself, well, I am a parent. I have a career. I don't have time to surf. But I do realize when I think back on it, it was about. It was a little. It was. September of not this year, but last year, I surfed two great days. And I'm trying to piece it together. You'll be my therapist for this. Okay. I surfed two great days. I surfed once at um, down at Old Man's in San Onofre. And then it was so good, I surfed the next day at Staircases and uh, up near Ventura. And I had the, so I, I think two of the best days of surfing I've had in years. Right. Um, and, but before I was going into the second session, I stepped, uh, backwards, uh, over what I thought was like a small, uh, wall, but the, the ground on the other side of the wall was much lower than where I expected it to be. And so I just landed a little weird and I tweaked my back and then I had a back injury after that day of surfing. Ooh. Um, and I think, and then I, so I didn't surf then for a year. I didn't surf for a year after that. Right. And I my, my back injury went away after a couple months. So I could have gone back out there, but mm-hmm. something was preventing me from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just getting like, I'm not, I'm not as, as in shape as I used to be. And so when I do go out, uh, it's more difficult. I'm getting older. Right. It's a bit of a wrestling match to get it's back a- out there. And I can't surf as well as I used to. And so I'm dealing kind of with a depression about around it because when I have, and it also takes like 
for the places that I like to go surfing, it takes like it's going to be a four hour at least kind of expedition. Right. You're, you're out for half, half a day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a half a day, you know, expenditure of time. Mm-hmm. And if I want to get that kind of like nature time that surfing really is, I, I live 20 minutes from the mountains. And so I just go up into the mountains and I go on a huge hike by myself and I'm back earlier than I would be back from surfing and I've gotten a workout and I've spent time in nature and I've kind of like centered myself. Okay. And so that's what I've ended up doing instead of going surfing. But surfing is how I define myself in my mind. Right. And so kind of struggling with that. And it's about just not being, it's about getting older and not being as in good shape as I used to be. So I'm trying to get in better shape and go surfing more often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, that I'm it's, just struggling with it. Right. Well, it's such, it's so hard. I got a bad sprained ankle a couple of, couple of years ago and I was doing, I, I was actually almost, I'd, you could even call it working out. I was at a, yeah. I was at a gym and, um, and I sprained my ankle and I, and it, it was bad. It, it took almost, Oof. I think six months, four to six months ah. to actually, I wore the boot for over two months. That's and the worst. It was a we- sprain worse than a break sometimes. And, Oof. um, to this day, I don't go by that house. Uh, cause I mean, I would love to, if it were a good story, you would have heard it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was not, I literally fell off a curb with the dog and the, the curb, man, the curb. so many of my friends have done it with a curb, the curb and the dog, of course, just staring at me. Are we, are we walking? <laughs> we're not walking. Why aren't we walking? And the, and the, the house I fell in front of the woman saw me fall, ran into the house, ran into the house. Yeah. Yeah. And the the, <laughs> the gardener next door who was working in the house next door came, he came over and said, are you okay? And I said, I don't think I am. And he goes, and he grabbed my foot and he was, oh. he was like a Guatemalan guy. And uh, he grabbed ah. my foot and he started like ah. oh. moving it and going, it's yeah, it's, it's just sprained, but you got to, and then he puts it back down. And he's like, you got to remember to do this exercise. And I was like, I take it. You were a chiropractor in another yeah. country and are now forced to cut lawns. Holy and shit. Uh, so, but it was, I was like, I'm just going to go to the urgent care. I'm good. Yeah. But I haven't been back. I haven't been back to the, to the gym, uh, to the, and I have a credit with this, with this, uh, it's a, it's almost a physical therapist, uh, workout person yeah. too. Pilates, which I have, uh, historically made fun of turns out is the greatest slow-mo workout in the world and keeps you bendy and flexible. Yeah. I yeah. just started today. Oh, Pilates. I just yeah. started Pilates today. Does your Pilates place have a picture of that crazy circus looking dude? Mr. Pilates. Johnny Pilates. Yeah. Johnny <laughs> Mr. John Pilates, Johnny Pilates. <laughs> because he, why he didn't go by Johnny, I have no idea. <laughs> me neither. And why he's wearing a swimsuit. And and it's almost it's almost like, you know, the Queen of England having her poster up everywhere or picture of at, at the post office. Yeah. Uh, but it is really good if you could get a good Pilates instructor who will yeah. who will teach you how to hold your body and be in it it's really actually quite much there's less pain yeah it, it is a fascinating it's a much different way because i also blew out both knees during the pandemic running Ooh. and um and so i went back finally to like the place i used to go to which was this orange theory fitness place and um and i just can't do it anymore because of my knees so it's like 
it's all of these like it be you're an, you're becoming an old man <laughs> and so i've just given into it just like all right i'm gonna go do pilates because i need to get strong again right and that's what it does and it, and it yeah. uh, you're helping me actually quite honestly because i should go back to it as well because i have a giant credit with this woman oh yeah uh, yeah because i prepaid for a bunch of uh sessions and but it's been probably two years and she would be completely within her rights to say guess what have expired um, <laughs> <laughs> she was she was a good sport about um about it but uh yeah anyway so um yeah did you ever skateboard uh yeah i grew up skateboarding but i was never like again the same kind of thing never um big trick guy you know i'm also a very tall person right and i was very uncoordinated as a child okay and so uh like I could ollie and that was it. Um, but I pretty much prefer just like going skateboarding. Right. And, and the big board on, on the, on the, on the ocean the I mean, if you were awkward as a child to, to be able to be that graceful on, it feels very nice. Yeah. yeah. It's gotta feel great. Cause it's gotta feel like I can do this. I can look. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, there's no air, and but who cares? It's, um, it's interesting the fact that it's like the only it's the only thing you could do on planet Earth where like you're riding pure energy and it's and the thing that you're riding is constantly evolving and changing as you ride it um that like the the playground itself changes is fascinating and Under- I think uh, you know where where the kind of like it's why people get so weirdly cosmic about surfing I think Right. What about, did you ever try windsurfing? I didn't. I have, um, I did windsurfing when I was like a, a kid and it's so much of windsurfing is just about like upper body strength. It's just like holding that goddamn sail. Right, right. That, which the- I just, it was like, oh, this is so hard and exhausting. But my buddy is a kite surfer and he's like, it's not like that for kite surfing. Um, what is what is kite surfing? I have not seen that, or I have, and I kite, don't know the difference. You probably have. You just don't. It's literally like a, it, it looks like a big kind of parachute that they have. That's literally on a on a on a rope that goes far out in front of them. Oh, okay. And their their board is strapped onto their feet in the same way that like a windsurfing board is strapped onto their feet. Um, but then it's you have a harness on you that the the kite is attached to. Okay. And so that's kite surfing. So pe- people go out when it's, you know, very windy out and they're essentially like going in one direction, then they turn and they go the other direction, <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. It's just riding, you're riding the wind, uh, kind right, of. Exactly. And, but, the, but it's not as hard on the arms, he says. He said no, because it's attached to a, a harness that you're wearing. Okay. So you're, so you're using your arms literally to like, if you want to like do an air and stuff like that, I think you pull it in and you kind of like be, it can jump a little bit and go into the air. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, all, do you like to swim in general? Do you enjoy? I do. Okay. So. I do. I, I got my um, scuba diving certification when I was 10. Wow. Which is illegal, straight right. up illegal. Straight up not cool. They're not going <laughs> to let you do that. <laughs> uh, and they just were like, "You look, you look older. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're very tall. Uh, yeah. How old do you yeah. have to be to get your scuba diving? Fourteen. Okay. Yeah, at least then for Patty, and then um and then I dove a lot. I dove a lot until I was eighteen. Okay. Um, 
And I really, and I loved scuba diving and I stopped scuba diving because one, it's expensive. And two, um, I'm the only one who scuba dives that I know. And so I would always have to go out on these like dive trips and then be assigned some random fucking person that I would be my dive buddy. Yeah, because you can't dive alone. I've I've no. seen enough murder mystery shows to know that you don't want to dive alone. But I was really, really into it. Like I got my wreck diving certification so I could dive wrecks and I got my rescue search and rescue certification. Oh, wow. All before I was 18. It was like my thing. And so, yeah, I love the ocean. I love the water. I'm a Pisces. Okay. Uh, Kurt Braunohler is a Pisces, you guys. So uh, Put it down. Put it in your book. I'm an artist, guys. <laughs> uh, I'm a cancer. Does anyone need anything? Uh, so, but the... Uh, the Crazy thing about now, I have, I have died. I've, I've done windsurfing once. Uh huh. And it did, I, I spent an hour just it being ripped out of my arms, me climbing so back up. Hard. It being yeah. ripped out of my arms. And then I I snorkeled a little bit in Australia. I did a mm-hmm. bunch of snorkeling. And then uh, Andy and I went idiot scuba diving once in the Wit Sundays where um, you go with a bunch of, there's no training. Oh, wow. And there, there's just a guy with the eight of you. And I was like, uh-huh. and so when we were sitting in a circle and he was talking to us and we all had our wetsuits on, I said, is, do you ever, is there somebody that you usually stick close to? And uh-huh. he goes, yeah. And you, he, <laughs> the person who asked that question. <laughs> I think it must have been because he totally <laughs> stuck close to me and uh, Andy got to go around a little bit more and see more stuff. And, yeah. uh, but it was you know, you go underwater and you can't, you're, if you think about it too much, it's hard to breathe <laughs> because you're like, why would I be able to breathe down here? This is where this, there's no air down here. And, but you have the air with you. And, yeah. um, so, but it was, um, once I got used to being under the water and I was uh-huh. ready to actually see stuff under the water, um, it was time to go back up. Uh, we didn't, yeah. we didn't pay enough money to get to stay underwater for a long time, <laughs> but I would do it again. Cause it was, it was interesting. It was, beautiful. I would love, yeah, I would love to do it. I would, yeah, I would just love to do it. Especially the fact that we like live, I live here, you know, I yeah. could, you know, scuba diving in Southern California would be cool. I mean, like I got my certification in New Jersey and we went, did like our certifying dive in the shark river uh, inlet, which is, uh, I mean, it, it, the visibility was no shit, six inches. And we just saw 500 crabs and that was it. It was just crab after crab after crab in the, in, in, in the murky darkness. (laughs) I think I, I had a a friend of mine who, who got certified and she had to, one of the tests was just in a swimming pool. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. You do a one there, and then you have to do an open water one. For okay. Like the, oh, for the yeah. second kind of mm-hmm. r- real certification, and then uh, what about this? Just we're just going to turn this into uh, water based activities. Yes. Uh, do have you ever sailed? Do you know how to sail? I got my sailing license when I was fourteen, um, and then never sailed a single <laughs> moment again after no. that. <laughs> and uh, so. Wow, it sounds like your mom was like, "You should really go to the beach, honey." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like she, my mom grew up on the beach. You know, she grew up in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Okay, and so um, she loved the beach and uh, encouraged. Yeah, we just, yeah, 
Yeah. And then that, and then the thing I think with the sailing was I was just so interested in the ocean that then it was, uh, cause my mom and dad were divorced. And so then I would go up to Michigan to be with my dad. And I think one, one year they were just like, do you want to do this sailing certification? Like no one we know owns a sailboat or anything like that. Right. And I was like, yeah, sure. I love it. Mm -hmm. And then we got to like live on a sailboat for a week or whatever. And it was fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. Um, and I can almost remember like a, a thing about <laughs> sailing, but but uh, having but I also have won. I have won a big sailboating competition, or I've been on the boat that won this big sailboating competition in Tasmania. Uh, oh my gosh! In Australia, yeah, in Hobart. The, I think it's called the Queen of the Bay, the Hobart Queen of the Bay competition. So there's a big race that starts in Melbourne, uh, Australia, and then goes down around Tasmania mm -hmm. through the South Sea, which is just like a fucking crazy, very insane part of the world. And then all the way down to the bottom part of Tasmania, which is called Hobart. Okay. And uh, I was dating an Australian at the time, and her mom was a sailor. And so she was on this big race from Melbourne down and it was a sailboat filled with all women over 65. And so they came in dead last of the, the big race. Okay. Right. And then the next day after this big race, that was like a three day race. The next day, there's the queen of the uh, queen of the bay or whatever, queen of the Hobart or I can't, it's queen of the something. And uh, it's a it's a race that just happens in Hobart Bay. Okay. And it's around like it's in a big triangle. And you're handicapped based on how you do, how you did in the, in the oh, race from the previous day. Yes. So they came in last. So they were super handicapped. And then they got us, my, my, at the time, girlfriend and me to help out. So we were the ones like doing the thing and it was fucking awful. It is, if you've oh, ever been a in a sailboat race, mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. is fucking terrible. It's just, you're being screamed at <laughs> at all times. You have on like a survival suit yeah. because the water is Arctic cold. Right. And it's like the thing is always at a fucking angle like that. So water is just like trying to wash you off of this boat. <laughs> and then you're just being screamed at to like crank a, a reel and then having to duck so that you don't get fucking knocked unconscious by this giant boom that's right. swinging across. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then but they won, but they won. <laughs> right. That does not sound fun. That sounds like no. why I never worked in like a fancy kitchen. Because uh, yeah. I don't want to be screamed at. It's like chop the you're chopping the carrots wrong and do it faster. <laughs> and uh, yes, I know. Uh, but I have I have been I've 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 gone on like sailboats where you can you know charter. You're part of a like Sounds great. yeah where you get to just sit around and then eventually someone hands you a bologna sandwich. Like they're mm -hmm. always like we're providing mm. lunch and then it's yeah. chicken salad right. Yeah, yeah. and you're like thank you. <laughs> And, uh, but I, one time I went the most, the fanciest time, I don't know why I've hijacked your episode, but here it is. Uh, oh, please. the, uh, uh, the, the fa the funnest one was, uh, a sailboat, two masted sailboat that left Cape Cod, Provincetown, Massachusetts. Ooh. Um, and it was just sail for a day and it mm -hmm. was in October. So oh, wow. it was cold. It mm -hmm. started raining Whoa. and we got to see dolphins and whales and 
The best. Then we turned around and came back, but it was pouring and it was hilarious. And I and I went with this um just this stranger that I ended up having to share an apartment with because I was saving up money to go to Europe. It was right after college, right? Uh-huh. So we each drank like a bottle of wine. And uh, and they were like, it's cold. And glug, glug. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that, yes, hypothermia. And then, um, but it was really cool because it was like you felt kind of tough. And because yeah. uh, you're on it, there was nowhere to go underneath. So it's raining like hell. The, the crew is jumping around like, you know, they do when they have all these big sails that they have to deal with. Yeah. And But you could just sort of, you know, pretend you're Errol Flynn and be on the board. You know, you're half of the bag <laughs> looking at dolphins. <laughs> that sounds great. I it, love it. Oh, God. It was I it was one of the my favorite experiences. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was dumb. But uh, but I loved it. So. Um all right. Well, we uh, I am talking with uh, Kurt Brownoller, and um, he has a new special out called PerfectlyStupid.com. He's a great comic. December 16th, it's going to be on YouTube uh, and everywhere. It is right now streaming Amazon, all the places, probably Roku. Might be on Tubi. You don't know. Check you it out. You don't know. Got to check it. Maybe it's on Voodoo. It could be. <laughs> Why don't you Google the words perfectly stupid and streaming? <laughs> and because things will come up and you'll be like, oh, interesting. But um, other than that, what else? How, what would you say about surfing? Is there anything? So you park your car. And you, <laughs> and you did you ever have you ever been attacked by sharks? Uh, no. Nope. And sharks are always there. That's the one thing that I was we were talking about this on bananas the other day. My podcast bananas. That's folks. right. I've been on bananas and uh, Kurt have. has a podcast called bananas. Um, the uh, the I the fact that sharks are at all times in the ocean right. <laughs> and they are close to the beach at all times. And the fact that there is so few shark attacks should make you feel so good. Because they are always, always, always there. And they never, they never touch you. Right. They don't and care. so they don't care about you. And right. so I it's find not that about to be very, you. I find that to be comforting. It is comforting. You just want to yell, Alan, don't be scared. It's not about you. <laughs> For people who are afraid of sharks, it's just, it, it seems, it's very, um, it seems silly to me. It's like being afraid of getting struck by lightning. Yeah, it's, it's rare. enormously rare. I will say yeah. that my favorite uh, joke that I heard someone tell, it, we're going to quote it, but we're also going to credit it. It's yes. Dennis Regan. Uh, Dennis Regan, stand-up comic, very funny guy, from Florida, much like his brother, Brian Regan. They're both from oh, Florida. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Brian Regan's brother is a stand-up? Yeah, Dennis Regan. Holy shit, that's got to be and he, uh, and his joke is that he was swimming off the coast of Florida and he saw a shark and he goes, so I'm going swimming and I see a shark. There's no music. <laughs> That's the whole joke. And I was like, that is a perfect, mm, that is a perfectly formed joke, my friend. Well played. I have seen, I have seen a shark jump out of the water very close to me while surfing. Like, you know, hit a fish and jump. Right. Like that. that feels like um, a lot. But, uh. Yeah, no. I, the only time that I've ever gotten spooked in the water was I was uh, visiting Australia and my brother and my brother rented like as a camper van. And so we drove up the coast from Sydney all the way up to the Gold Coast to Byron Bay there. 
and Byron Bay was all blown out and there was no surf. And so right on the other side uh, around the point of Byron Bay is this other beach that's like probably just, I don't know, 10 miles of beach and it's very wild. And we slept in the parking lot of that beach. But then you have to like walk through what they call the bush, uh, we would call the woods, mm -hmm. to then get to this beach where you're like all alone. So I woke up early. My brother was still asleep. And I walked through the bush with my surfboard and went and went out on this beach where I am the only human being for no shit like 10 miles. Right. And uh, and it's very wild feeling. And uh, the, it was the, the conditions were not great. And you probably shouldn't surf alone either. Right. I surf alone all the time. <laughs> OK. What if you get clocked in the head by your surfboard because it's attached to your ankle? I don't know. I've been surfing for 30 years That's and I've true. never been clocked in go. my head by my surfboard. <laughs> That's what I always think whenever they, whenever I see the surfboard go one way and their legs go the other way, I'm like, oh, don't come back and clock them. Anyway, so. so, so there's a lot of ocean and the surfboard's very small in comparison. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but super wild, 10 miles. So super wild and very windy. So it was very choppy out there. I, I don't even know why I was out there. It was. It was like I was going to go surfing because I was in Australia, even yeah. though the conditions weren't weren't good. And um, it just felt I just got got, got spooked. Uh, and I just was like, there was a lot of water moving around. And uh, and I, I just got a sharky vibe. And then all of a sudden around me, a pod of dolphin just popped up on either side of me <laughs> and scared, scared the shit out of me. Literally like five dolphin all breached at the same time and took a breath and then went back under. And I literally, I think it was like, like, ah! like screamed out loud. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I'm a little on edge. And I also realized if anything happened, my brother's asleep. I'm there's no one on this beach. Like I just bleed out on this beach. Right. If something happened. You would get washed up miles down. Yeah. And, so uh, I, I paddled in. Sad. Yes. <laughs> and then I had this big, I had this book of Australian surfing. And for, it was made in the 70s. And I uh, nice. looked up that that spot in the book after I had come out of the water. And a very famous pro surfer had been uh, attacked and killed by a shark right where I was. And so my Ooh. feeling was accurate that it was it's a very sharky spot. It feels super sharky. Uh, yeah. That is a great story to end on, Kurt. Thank you. So this has been an hour. Uh, so, yes. yeah. Or, or it looks like an hour. I'm probably wrong. I forget to write things down. 59 minutes. It'll do. It'll do, my friends. And uh, because it was a great, it's a great story. And I like that they were dolphins. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never wanted to swim with dolphins. I always feel like I'm interrupting something. And I think I am. It's called their lives. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're busy trying to get laid by other dolphins, I assume. Yeah, they want to fuck. They want to fuck. They want to eat other, they want to eat the fishes that they eat. They got, they got lives to lead. Okay. So, uh, Kurt Braunoller has been our guest. He has a podcast called Bananas. He has a special called Perfectly Stupid. Doc, and, and if you go to perfectlystupid.com, you can find all the places to watch it. It's going to be on YouTube on the 16th of December. And um, just follow him on Instagram at Kurt Braunoller, uh, which will be in the link, uh, be in the notes, uh, to find out where he's doing stand-up next, because uh, super funny. Thank you for doing the show. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God.
my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?